I invite you to turn with me to page 7 and hear another reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, this is God's Word. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before Your Word this evening, Lord, we thank You and praise You for the grace that is ours in Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You, Lord, for this time when our entire culture pauses to remember that You came. That when we relying under a curse of Your holy law to be perfect as You are perfect. That in the fullness of time, You sent forth Your Son, born of a woman, born under that law to redeem us from the curse of the law. And we praise You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for that, O holy night when Christ was born. So Lord, as we come now to look at a familiar passage, we pray that You would give us wisdom, give us truth, show us once again the beauty of Your grace and Your gospel. We ask that You would do this, Father, by Your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is one of my favorite evenings of the year, but not for the reason you think. It's one of my favorite evenings of the year because this is the one, one of the few times in our church that we don't have a nursery And I miss the sound of young children in worship. I do. I do. A lively, vibrant church is full of noise. And if you want an utterly silent church, you need to go somewhere that doesn't allow children. It's just that simple. So I love having kids in the service. We don't have enough of them on Sunday morning. So welcome. You're not bothering me. Moms, it's okay. If I'm not bothered, no one else gets to be bothered either. So just we're all good. All right? It's fine. So this text starts out on an utterly, utterly ordinary night for these guys. 
They're probably the official temple shepherds who are actually raising the animals used in that sacrificial system. We know from historical records, the area around Bethlehem was actually set apart and reserved for those animals. And all of a sudden, a messenger appears, an angel. It's incredibly glorious. And I love how honest the text is. It scares the mess out of these guys. They are afraid. They're utterly terror-stricken by this heavenly creature. And then they're told the most amazing news ever, the Messiah, the Rescuer, the Savior has come. King David's heir, the Lord, He is here. These guys, whose job it is to keep the lambs for sacrifice, are basically told they're obsolete. The one who would render their service unnecessary has come. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Y'all aren't needed anymore. Praise God. He's here. And with that message comes the glory. Get the image out of your head right now. Whatever it is, it's wrong. Glory is more than just light. It's actually a Hebrew word that means heavy. That's it. It means heavy, the heaviness of the Lord. It's substantial. The last time we saw God's glory in the Bible was in the Old Testament when that temple was finally built. They had this great worship service and they asked God, would you please come to your temple now? It's just a building unless you inhabited it. So he comes down and he inhabits it and they say his glory was there and his glory was so substantial that it literally displaced the people. They had to flee from his glory. Think of it like fog with substance. Like a, like, like, imagine if you could walk up to a fog bank and cut a chunk of it out and now make it all like glowy. That's kind of what we're thinking of here, glory. It's there, and it's freaking the shepherds out. Like, what is happening right now? What is this? Because the announcement has come that the living temple is here. The Lord Jesus, God on earth, the same glory stuff, whatever it is, is now all around the shepherds because the temple's no longer there. It's here. It's a lot to handle. The shepherds are scared, and they tremble here. Because they won't tremble there when they see a baby in a manger. So they tremble before the Lord here. Because in his humanity, the Lord Jesus is not fearful. And the angel says to them, don't be afraid. I have good news of great joy for all the people. And Luke is being a little snarky here for his Roman leaders. We know this from archaeological evidence. Every year on Caesar Augustus' birthday, they would send heralds throughout the empire to proclaim good news of great joy for all the people. For on this day, our Savior, Caesar Augustus, has been born. That's always contained in the statement, Caesar is Lord. Luke's having a little fun here, reminding his Roman readers who the real Lord is. That's why he says in verse 11, For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ, not Caesar, the Lord. Because Jesus' birth is good news. It's the gospel. He is the rescuer, the Savior. He is the Lord. The hope of the world was not in the great Pax Romana that they lived in, that Caesar Augustus ushered in. The hope for the world today is not in the great Pax Americana that we grew up in. The hope is the peace that Jesus brings with his life, with his death, and with his resurrection. It's the best news ever. 
And so God sends an angel to proclaim this news not to the great cities of the empire, but to a handful of backwoods redneck shepherds in the bottoms outside of Podunk, Bethlehem. That's how they would have seen it. You know, you and I get all woozy about shepherds, especially in church world. We have the 23rd Psalm, and the Lord's like my shepherd. In that culture, shepherds were not well thought of at all. Back when I used to have enough hair to make this necessary, I would go to the barber like a couple times a month, and the barber I used to use had this great bumper sticker right here in the upper right-hand corner of his mirror. I could always see it there. It's great. It was so good. I knew it was coming. I would still laugh at it every time he turned me around to look at my haircut. And it just said very simply, why do aliens abduct the stupidest people? And that's what that culture thought of shepherds. Later Jewish commentary assumed shepherds were dishonest. Yet these are the people that God sends the first messengers to. See, in Jesus, God comes in humility. He comes like one of us. He can sympathize with humble, broken sinners like us. So he comes. Boys and girls here tonight, you got presents under your tree? You can raise your hand. We have presents under a tree. I want to see it. Yeah. They have little tags on them. They, they, do any of them have your name on it to you, right? Yes. Okay. When you get older, those, those presents start going away. But you know what? True story. That little phrase, unto you, that we just read in verse 11, boys and girls, that's God's tag on the gift of Jesus. He's saying, it's to you. He's come from God to us, and it's a gift. See, the angel wants us to know who the gift is from and who the gift is for. God sends it. This rescuer comes to us from God, and he is God. And now the shepherds all of a sudden see not just one angel, but they see this great multitude of heavenly hosts. It's a huge army. That's what hosts mean. It's one of those ancient words we don't use. It means army. So they see this whole group of heavenly messenger warriors. It would scare the bravest soldier. Imagine how these shepherds feel. But the text reads as if instead of preparing for battle, they're giddy. They're barely able to contain themselves. They're suddenly bursting forth in joyful song like a choir in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. That's an awesome image, especially since these creatures, whatever they are, are not fallen. They stand in no need of the redemption this child offers, and yet they're overwhelmed in awe at what God is doing. We could translate that last little phrase also, peace on earth to people of his delight. It's actually a specific phrase used in first century Jewish literature to refer to the people of God, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. It's a term for God's set-apart people. So verse 14 comes and tells us God has this special love for his special set-apart people, and it's a love that brings peace. God works on behalf of his favored people. Forget Augustus. Forget the Roman peace. Jesus came to give us the peace of God by bringing us peace with God. Wholesomeness, integrity, security, that's biblical peace. That feeling that it's going to be okay. Jesus brings all that. That's what he offers. 
And he does it by paying the penalty for our sin with his own blood. He takes on the punishment that God's people deserve so he can bring us the peace of God. The peace that the angels here proclaim comes by having God's pleasure. And we get that because Jesus will grow up. He will enter into the battle that humans wage against God. And with his own life, he will secure the peace with God for all who believe. That's why the message of the Savior is great joy. And so in this great joy, what do the shepherds do? Verse 15, they look at each other like, bro, we gotta go check this out in Bethlehem. And so they run to Bethlehem. There's no command. They're not told to go. I love that. They have this amazing experience and they wanna go and tell everybody else about Jesus. They go so they can explain him. That's my favorite part. This joy erupts in their hearts and so they run to experience it for themselves, what they just heard about. And we all know what happens next. This is a very familiar part of the story, right? Mary, Joseph, and all the animals, they all line up just right. The innkeeper takes out his iPhone and takes the picture. We all model our manger scenes out for the next 2,000 years. And then right after that, the shepherds explain what's going on to Mary and Joseph. Did Did you catch that? The humble hearers become the joyful witnesses. These are the first people to share with Mary and Joseph who Jesus really is. Finally, someone's in on their secret. They've known and they've cherished who Jesus is, but only they knew. Now others are in on it. It confirms it for them. The shepherds were God's vehicle of mercy and encouragement to Joseph and Mary in this time. This birth took place most likely in a courtyard common area, which was normal for big houses of that area. Maybe it might be an inn or just a big house. It's where animals were kept. And so there's all these travelers, all these animals are there. Their owners were there. And so as the guests realize that a baby has been born, a crowd would have shown up. Remember about 20 years ago, I was asked to do this wedding for this young couple, and it took place in the courtyard of one of those gigantic hotels. I think it was a Sheraton, where all the rooms surround this courtyard. There's a big fountain, and there was like, I think, maybe 12 floors. And so we had the wedding down there, and I'm seeing the balcony. The couple is not, which is good because they were young and they were shy and they had a very small wedding party. And as the wedding is going on, people are starting to notice and the balcony on the first floor fills up and I'm watching the balcony fill up the second floor, third floor. About the time I get to the homily, it's like three-fourths full. I was like, all right, y'all don't turn around right now because you'll be scared to death. And so all these people came and, you know, for a preacher, it's like, hey, let's do this thing, right? I got to proclaim the gospel to like 500 people instead of like, you know, 50 and they didn't come for me. They came because there's a wedding and there's a bride. And let's see what's going on here. And so too, these shepherds get to tell the story of Jesus to an increasing crowd of owners coming to see the rumor. There's a baby born in the courtyard. There's a baby. There's a baby. They give an explanation for this gracious event because God reveals himself in words. He wants us to understand. He doesn't just do amazing things and say, well, figure it out. Good luck. He explains himself. But not everyone gets it. Just like here at the birth, they didn't all get it. Some of them wondered at what's going on here. They're moved. They're curious. Kind of like a lot of us are at Christmas time, but that's not like placing your faith and trust in. That's just being, oh, that's interesting. 
But when these shepherds testified who Jesus was, some of them got it. Mary, it says, was deeply affected. She put it all together. Mary, who had known Jesus literally longer than anyone else, who'd carried the Son of God for nine months, still received. She still pondered on, we could translate it. She still treasured the message of Jesus in her heart. Oh, and so too, long-time Christians receive, ponder on, treasure again the message of Jesus at Christmas time. And for those of you who are still looking, it's okay. Insight, understanding of a hard truth is rarely immediate. It takes time. Because, see, Christmas is an invasion. The glorious joy is ours because God came to us in our darkness. He invaded us when we could not free ourselves to go to Him. Jesus as a baby is an invasion, but Jesus as a baby is also an invitation to know Jesus the man who would live the life that a holy God demands of his people. And then Jesus would also die the death that a just God demands of those who don't meet his standards so that he could then be raised victorious over death and hell itself. And there's a small hint of even that right here at the very beginning in verse 21 where Jesus is circumcised. The blood he sheds at the removal of his foreskin looks ahead to the blood he would shed on the cross at the removal of the penalty for our sins to bring us peace, to bring us the joy that the angels promised here. Do you know that peace and that joy? And if so, drink it up again this holiday season. Just relish it. If not, you can know this peace. You can know this joy. Simply place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as he's offered in the gospel. Look at him and see not just a baby, but the resurrected Lord. And joy can be yours. Let's pray together. Now, gracious God and heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to come to us in speech. You have chosen to come to us, Lord, that we might know you. And so we ask, Father, that once again, as we come to a very familiar story, that you would overwhelm us with the beauty of your coming, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.